0: To thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bacham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Over these past few weeks, we've been talking about these rules for living. These are kind of these strategies, these rules I have, these concepts that I hold for myself on how I can kind of keep track of the day and how I can keep track of my life so that I'm continuing to move towards my goals without getting sucked into the kind of the messiness of life that gives me some reference points of how I want to react to the world, to respond to the world, how I want to be in the world and what my approach is to the world. And as we've moved through those rules, I've begun to point to the fact that there are some important places to attend and some unimportant places that we want to drop away. And one of those things that I see very often with people is they get lost trying to get to that, 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 you know, that dream, that goal, and they're struggling and striving and frustrated and, and very anxious about it, which leads to this week's rule, which is to do your part and wait for the right moment, to wait for that moment when it comes. The, the problem is there are two parts of that. There's the doing your part part. And then there's the waiting part. Both are a struggle for us. And sometimes we end up not doing our part and being impatient. Other times we end up doing our part, but desperation gets in our way and we can't ever get there. And then there are times when we're just not sure what that moment is. And so part of what I've noticed is that there really are kind of three approaches that we can take to our life. And some people fall into this first approach where they believe that nothing is about them. It's not me. It's not my fault. So for them, it's not at all me. That's the first category, not me. And you might see this around you. Something goes wrong at the office and all the fingers point away from them. Or maybe you see it in a marriage where one person's like, ah, you know, it's not my fault, not my problem, not me. And you often see it with kids, you know, when a parent is saying, who did this? Everybody is in agreement that it wasn't them. So we often find ourselves at that place where it's, a, it's about not me. There's a problem with not me. The first problem is that if it's not you, somebody gets to be blamed. Now, let me be very clear. There are plenty of things in your life that have nothing to do with you, that outside forces come in and that somehow you're just sucked into it. But when that's always our story, we're probably missing something. If it's sometimes your story, you may be very accurate in noting that there are external things to us that just happen to us. As that bumper sticker says, poo-poo happens, right? And so we have to watch ourselves to not get sucked into that. Because when we play the not me game, first the blame game steps in, but there's another more subtle game, which is the helpless game. Years ago, Martin Seligman, the forefather of modern uh, positive psychology, talked about learned helplessness. Learned helplessness is what happens to us when we feel like we don't have a choice of our outcome. The problem is it's a feel like we don't have a choice. It's not that there's not a choice. It's that we don't feel like there's a choice, that something's held us back. Now, sometimes we learn that, right? The learned helplessness part is because we learned it along the way when we didn't have any choices. One of the images I have in my head is the same story you might have heard about elephants being tied down. I was in India years ago watching this elephant that had been tied to a stake with this flimsy piece of rope. And I never really believed that story, but it turned out to be exactly true, that what they start doing when elephants are very young is they tie them up with a rope by their paw to a stake. And the elephant at that point, they're so young, they can't get away. And as they grow up, they continue to think that they can't get away because they, you know, they pulled against it when they were a, a baby elephant and they never could break free. And so they feel like even that flimsy piece of rope holds them back. In reality, there's nothing really holding them back. They could have pulled away at any time, but they had a learned helplessness to them. And that's part of what happens when we're playing the game of not-at-all-me. We get into the blame place, and we also get into the helpless place. There's nothing I can do. Interestingly, there are those who live at the opposite end, all-me. There are some who have a metaphysical belief that everything in our lives and everything that happens to us is our fault, our responsibility, but our fault is how it often comes out. So if somebody's sick, they somehow brought it into their life. If somebody is injured, they somehow brought it into their life. If bad things happen to them, they somehow created it in their life. Now, notice the interesting thing about that is a lot of the people believe that this means that we are powerful creators. When in reality, all it does is help us feel blame, self-blame. I must have caused this. Now that's a metaphysical belief, but we also play it out in our lives when something happens and we start to think, I must have caused this. So let's be very clear about a couple of things about life. Things happen. External things happen to us. Yes, there are things we can do that change the scenario. Yes, there are things that we could do that take action that might change that. But there are things that are going to happen. The fact is we are all mortal. We are all going to have something that happens to us that ends our life. It's a matter of what. Some of us are unlucky, have the wrong genes, or however you want to think about that, or an accident happens, or some tragedy happens in life, and you know, I often think about people in other countries where war has come to them. They had nothing to do with it, but they are stuck playing it out. They're the ones who have to live with the consequences of that, and that can be a very painful place to be if you're playing in the all-me kind of frame. I saw it many times at the hospital when people had blamed themselves. What if I'd done something different? What if I had eaten differently or exercised or, or somehow stayed away from the chemicals? Or what if I hadn't been driving in that car? Or what if I hadn't let my child be in that car? On and on it goes, where we feel like it was all us. But the reality is, approach number three, that it's a combination of what happens to us and how we respond to it. Let's be very clear. We're still not going to beat life, right? We're still going to have to face consequences down the road. We're going to have to face difficulties down the road. We're going to have to face struggles down the road. And the question that we have is how can we respond to those events? How can we respond to what happens to us? I like that word responsibil- responsible. It's the combination of able and respond, can I? Res- am I able? Can I respond to something? I am response-able. I can choose my response. It's a great word that empowers us to recognize that there are things that we can and should do in life, but that there are still struggles that come our way. One of my colleagues and mentors, Jack Canfield, came up with or, or promotes a, a um, an equation that he learned from one of his mentors, which is E plus R. Equals O. E are events, anything external to your choices. So, events can be uh, world events, it can be family events, a spouse taking action, a child doing something, a parent doing something, a boss or a coworker doing something, all those things external to you. Your body even getting sick without you having anything to do with it, right? Suddenly you find out that there's something wrong in your body. That's an external event because you didn't create it, you didn't have a choice about it. The next category, R, is your response. That's how you choose to act in the face of those events. And the last one is the outcome. What comes of that? When you put them together, there's something going on around you that then has your response that then leads to an outcome. The wonderful thing about that equation is it very clearly puts us on the third option, that there is an interplay between what happens to us and how we respond to what happens, that that creates the outcome. Some people play in the event category, that everything is is happening to me, I have no choices. Others play entirely in the response outcome, that all of it is about me. And in reality, with this equation... E plus R equals O. All three pieces fit together into the equation. And it's not like E plus R are necessarily equivalent. Sometimes your response is bigger than the event. Sometimes the event dwarfs any response you can make, but that together creates the outcome. What's important is to realize that those events are unavoidable, but our response is our choice. That's the place where we do our part by choosing our response to those events. If you like or don't like the outcome, the place where you can intervene is with your response. So what if you like the outcome you're getting right now, but the events begin to change? If you're living in this culture that we're in right now, that may be exactly where you are, that you were really happy with where things were, and suddenly everything's happening Happening that's changing things in the world of technology and of money and politics and all those other places are changing. If you liked where you were, and suddenly the events begin to change, you have to change your response to get back to the outcome you want for yourself. But what if you don't like the outcome you're getting? And the events are coming your way, you change the outcome to get to, a, or you change your response to get to a different outcome. The piece that we always have a choice about is that response. The piece that we don't have a choice about is the event. And we recognize that the event is then molded by our response to give us the outcome that we live out. Which brings us to what if you're not to the place where you want to be? I spend a lot of time with people who aren't living the life they want to live. They're not having the marriage they want to have. They're not finding the meaning they want to make, or they're not finding their purpose in their life, or they're not making a difference in the world they want to. And they tell me they just can't get there. And what I realized is can't has a number of different meanings. One way that can't exists in our life is that it's about a won't. I won't do that. And so we'll say, I can't do X. And in reality, what we're saying is, I won't do X. We'd be better off claiming that and saying, yeah, that's just not something I'm willing to do. At least we're being clear about that. But there's another version of can't that I think is important to think about, and that's yet. Sometimes can't is about timing. The timing is not there yet. I find this so often to be true in my life. You know, I can't do something and I realize it's not that I can't ever do it, it's just that right now I can't do it. It's not there yet. As I'm doing this whole process of working on books and and trying to make sure that the books have a wide range of readers, sometimes I have these goals in my mind that I'm not there and I have to remind myself, yet. And then I begin to look for the places that I can continue to push that forward. When I'm working with couples who are trying to restore their relationship, one person may be going, I can't get to the marriage I want, and my response is, yet. You haven't yet gotten there because it's a matter of timing sometimes. Now, let me be very clear. At this point, I am not saying that there are that all the possibilities that you may want in your life are possibilities for them happening. Just because you have a dream doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen, But if we are stepping back and taking responsibility for our actions, sometimes it's a matter of waiting for the right moment to come along. So how do we do that? This is where I believe that we have to untie ourselves from the outcome. When I'm working with somebody who's trying to save their marriage and they haven't been able to get there yet, they get very frustrated and they feel all the pressure about how to get there. And so we talk about not being tied to the outcome. Don't be so tied to the outcome of having this be the great marriage, because that's not in your control. Outcomes aren't necessarily in our control. So how exactly do you untie from the outcome? Well, you get focused on the process. The process are the steps that are within your control. The outcome is kind of outside of your control. Remember, E plus R equals Oh, the outcome. You don't have full control over that. You have control over the processes that you use in order to move towards that. Let's take, for instance, if you were, say, trying to lose weight. Let's say you had a goal of losing a certain amount of weight. Now, we recognize that losing weight is not just about the choices you make, it's also about your body chemistry and your body type and your genetic pool and your gut biochemistry and all these other things that are going on, also. It's not a direct ratio that you just cut down on your calories and you lose weight. It has something to do with the calorie, the type of calories you put in and all kinds of other pieces. So instead of being focused on how much weight you're going to lose, you might decide to be focused on how you're going to eat better and how you're going to be more focused on fueling your body, giving your body what it needs in order to move towards that, Or let's say that you decide, let's say for, you know, kind of the rules, the the thoughts in my head about having, you want a best-selling book. You know, you want to sell millions of copies of books. I want you to notice that selling millions of copies of books is somewhat outside of your control. I know because I keep trying to convince people that somehow millions should find my book and you can get lost in that process or you can focus on the things that you can do. For instance, the focus of writing a really good book. That's an important part of that process. The focus of being willing to talk with people about it and being willing to interview and and talking with people about being interviewed and talking with people about getting your book and all of the process. So instead of being focused on having a best-selling book that sells millions of copies, I could be focused on writing an excellent book that I will then promote. I will find ways of getting the word out. Now I've changed the focus, even though I had an initial outcome that I wanted, I can step back and ask myself about the process to get there. If you want to have a great marriage, you know the spouse has some pieces in there of how they might affect that outcome, right? the choices that they have to make on that outcome, but do you have a choice on how you connect and how you show up in life and how you work to let your spouse know? of how you want to move forward in this process? Are you clear in your mind about what that great relationship would look like? And are you putting the pieces together to get there? All of those pieces put us back into the outcome. It puts us back into the place where we have some control over the process, not the ultimate outcome, but the process to get towards that outcome. We always get to choose our response. Now, here's the interesting thing. Part of what I've noticed in my own life is that I find myself more and more lucky when I keep putting the circumstances together that favor that outcome. In other words, I find that I'm more fortunate when I'm doing the things that move me towards my end goal than just waiting. I was talking with somebody about uh, wanting to win the lottery. And I said, you know, are you doing your part? And the person said, well, you know, I, I just hope someday to do that. And I said, well, I guess the first hope for that is you have to buy a lottery ticket. And while I don't believe that's the best solution in life, if that's your goal, you know, if your outcome is to win the lottery, you at least have to do the pieces to get there. And here's where we really begin to understand it. How much control does somebody actually have of winning that lottery, very, very little. So, if we're to use that as an example, the part that you do have control over is buying the ticket, right? That's it. Even then, it's a minuscule possibility, but at least you're infinitely further along than if you did nothing, which is what I also have said to people about, for instance, writing a book. They'll tell me they want to write a book and When I ask how much they've done on the book, they haven't done any. And what I often say is, you know, you're infinitely more likely to have written that book if you start writing. I've talked with people who wanted to get healthier, and I've asked them what they've done to actually get started, the exercises they're doing, the eating processes they're doing, things like that. And they'll tell me that they haven't ever quite gotten around to that. And my response is you're infinitely more likely to get into shape and lose weight and do all the things you want to do if you start, infinitely, because, you know, if you remember mathematics back in school, if you if you are multiplying something by zero, it's always zero. No matter what you want, it's always going to be zero if there's no action. But as soon as there's an action, then suddenly there is an end result. So we go from zero to something. That's an infinite change. If somebody's not paying you anything and they double what they're not paying you, you're still at zero. But if, you, if they're paying you one and they double that, you're at two, right? And so part of what happens whenever we start taking action is that we're infinitely closer to that end result. When we want to make sure that we are as fortunate and lucky as possible, then we need to set the circumstances in place for the possibility of the outcome that we want as often as possible. So the process here is to do your part and be patient for the moment. Wait for the moment. Make sure that you're preparing yourself all along. And that's the big piece of this. When we want to get somewhere, we have to prepare ourselves for that. So many times when I hear somebody talk about somebody else being an overnight success, when I dig a little bit, I realize that that person put in the effort Just earlier today, I was listening to a story about Elvis Presley, and they were talking about the myth of Elvis appearing on The Ed Sullivan Show and suddenly being famous, coming out of nowhere, when in reality, he had been following a process, the Louisiana Network, where he would go every night, drive all day to appear and do a set that night. Elvis was putting in the time to be fortunate, to be in the right place, to be discovered. He wasn't an overnight success, even though it might have appeared to that to people. He was doing his part in waiting for the moment. When the moment came, he was absolutely prepared because he had put in that work all along. The work we're doing to get there prepares us when the moment arises. But the moment doesn't arise unless we put in the work. So the rule for this week is to do your part, whatever it is you're trying to do. Save a relationship, improve your health, write a book, be a famous singer, be an actor, whatever it is. Do your part and then wait for the moment, recognizing that the more you do your part, the more likely you are to find your moment. Let go of the outcome, focus on your process, do your part, and wait for the moment. One of my moments has come. My new book, The Immutable Laws of Living, is out and it's available. So just like I said, I want to tell people about it because I think that book has the possibility of helping you see the places where you've gotten stuck. So part of the reason that I wrote that book is because it outlines these rules, these immutable laws, not the ones that we've been talking about these past few weeks, but the immutable laws of living that tend to keep us stuck when we don't know we're violating them. The reason I happen to know about these laws is because I've violated every one of them and I've watched client after client after client violate these laws. And I've recognized that as soon as we recognize the law and begin to obey the law, life begins to change. So my challenge to you is to ask yourself, Could that possibly change you? Could there be a law that you're violating that you don't even know is there? And if so, I would love it if you would support the book and discover some new ways of living in your own life. You can find more about my book at theimmutablelawsofliving.com, theimmutablelawsofliving.com, or you can find it wherever you normally get your books, whether it's in a local bookstore or online, the book is available to you. I hope you'll grab it and I hope you'll let me know if you find the rules that you've been breaking and how it transforms your life when you start obeying them. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to build your thriving life. <music>